Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Yeah, that's something you can talk about. Now, there is something else right. that you uh, don't necessarily anything until you get an offer. No, after you so get an you offer. can sometimes talk about things that way. Here's a great question. I had to sue my employer who did not pay me for three months. It started after I told them I was pregnant. They eventually fired me at the end of three months. Two years after negotiation, had to sue him, and the record pops up first when searching my name. How do I explain a positive interview? In that particular uh, case, that sounds pretty horrible. What I would recommend doing is just actually being honest about it and saying what happened. I don't think anybody reasonably would not sympathize with you and and, uh, think that this was outrageous. It's not like suing someone because you think that they discriminated against you because I don't know, because you were from a certain city or something. I don't know. But this is not the bad. I think here, you don't want to talk about being pregnant and that was when it happened. I think you basically say they didn't pay you for three months and, you know, that I was wanted to get paid and I support my family or whatever. And yeah, that's something you can talk about. Now, there is something else that you can do. Uh, I'm not going to get too far into it. Everyone, by the way, most people, anybody that's, most people have any, if you think about, politicians or people say good things about them and bad. So there's bad articles about them and good. And then people like to read bad things. So anyone's in the public light is always going to have people uh, attacking them. But reverse SEO is basically you register yourself for a bunch of for a bunch of social media sites or whatever. And then then you point links toward them and, and point links to them and, and then make them rise in the search engines. That's called reverse SEO. And you can do things like that if you're really concerned about it. I know I, I have a, a friend of mine that was a U.S. attorney and went in, in Utah and went to a bar and drank four or five beers and was pulled over and given a DUI and it was all over the news. And, and so he had a very hard time for a long time getting the position after being fired from his dream job. And he did reverse SEO. So now you he hired someone to do it for him. Now you search his name. And lo and behold, none of that comes up, but still, it's not good. Okay, I've been home raising three kids after working full-time in a boutique firm for eight years. What mistakes should I avoid and how can I emphasize I can learn fast? Okay, so this is very common, by the way. Lots of women have children and, and, and then come back to the workforce. It's very common. One firm that I thought is it's a, one of the most unusual stories I ever heard, but Davis Polk had, uh, I'm not going to tell you who the person was, but there was this woman that had not had stopped working there as a second year associate, had raised three children. When the last one turned 18, asked if she could come back. And they said, sure, this is 22 years later or something. It was just awesome. What the heck? What a great firm. I mean, you got to hands off to hats off to Davis Polk. But but the point is, is that the people uh, very much respect women that go have kids and want to come back to the workforce. There's a bunch of reasons for that. One is that they know they're not going to leave to have kids again, but also they they presume that they need to support their kids now because they need to put them through college and and they need to start saving for retirement if they haven't been working. Law firms love it when when moms when moms come back. They get more interviews. They get they they do well. And and so it's, I don't think that it's a problem at all. I would have in the past. I would have thought, oh, law firms don't like that, but in my experience, it's actually a positive thing. So. I'll just list these reasons why law firms love it when moms come back. Uh, they they will not have kids again, probably again. 
so they'll stick around. They, which is not a bad thing. I have to be very careful here. They will not have kids again. They will need to support kids. They will, they will, they won't have distractions. They will not have as many distractions. They will, meaning they're already married, uh, already married, already have kids, et cetera, whatever, et cetera. And again, I'm not taking sides here politically. I'm just saying these are some of the things that people can say. They, what else? They uh, will, they will not, sorry, just think about it. They will, yeah, they will basically be thankful if it's an opportunity. There's tons of reasons uh, why they like this, but it works. So it did, I, I used to think it didn't, but now I think it actually benefits people that have done this. I, In my experience, they actually get more interviews than people not similarly situated. I don't, uh, I'm assuming that these are some of the reasons. I don't know that these are all the reasons. I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a law firm. They also, I guess the big one you would say would be, there's going to be presumed stability. Presumed stability means, uh, and this is a big deal to law firms, presumed stability means house. They have a house, which means they have a house. They have a house or property. They have they have what else cars and friends and network social network, all these things that that mean that the person is established and they're unlikely uh, to take off that's the idea and they're more likely to stay and they're more likely to believe they're more likely to believe that and these by these messages if you're a woman watching this i'm just telling you this is how it works when you come back if you're i don't know uh, but it's kind of applies to everyone. And then you'll be thankful, grateful for the opportunity. So meaning for the opportunity and therefore be more, be more loyal, work harder, all that stuff. I just want everyone to understand the kind of the logic that goes into this and why it's a positive thing. So there's nothing really negative about it. It may be negative that you're older or whatever in your age, but at the same time, I think that, that this actually can work very well. Now, does it work for everyone? No, but it can definitely, it does work for a lot of people. I'm going to try to get to all these questions. There's still quite a few. I had an interview for a lateral position a few weeks ago at a big law firm. I have not heard back. What is the best way to follow up without seeming desperate? Should I wait until I have another job offer and tell them they are my first choice? I also did not ask, I also was not asked for references. Should I follow up with information? So the idea, so really the follow-up is, can, a lot of times firms won't, Big firms or will not big firm. So what's going on? We, let's talk about that. So what's going on? This is something that people should understand. Don, when you do not hear from a firm, I hear from a firm, firm after an interview. So what does that mean? So it could mean a lot of things. It could mean made another offer waiting, which is happens a lot of the time. It means no one has met to discuss you or no approval for hiring you. It can mean it can mean that still interviewing people. It could mean business is slow and waiting to see if it picks up. So who knows? It could be a bunch of things. And so it's nothing that you can really be too concerned about when you don't hear from someone after an interview. That's just what's going on. So you need to be very careful about how you follow up and because you don't really know what's going on. So what do you do? What's the best way to follow up? You can say, People that follow up, you don't want to appear desperate, but at the same time, you want to you want to make sure that the law firm knows that you are interested in them still. So, what would a follow up look like if you want to do that? So, follow up might be 
something along the lines of, uh, I just just wanted to drop you a short note. I'm just telling you what I would do if you really want. Drop you a short note to tell you how much I enjoyed uh, speaking with you. And I understand maybe moving, I don't know. Maybe, uh, I understand you may, um, you know, you have not made decision and but but hope but i don't know something along it's something very short as all i'm saying i just want to direct on how much enjoy me with you i'm hoping hope, hoping for mutual and and forward um, to discussing to uh, discussing or i don't know, to meeting with you in the future i don't know to speaking to look forward to learning more or hearing more i don't know to to hear to hearing back from you or something Something um, very short, um, and then you just sign your name. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not gonna find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. So it doesn't have to be a long uh, email. Uh, you can just send something like that. And that's probably um, enough uh, if you want. Uh, but uh, the, the idea is when someone's working for you, when you're trying to, when you're trying to have someone hire you, uh, you uh, don't necessarily want to be uh, you don't want to act desperate because other people, because they want to feel like they're doing the chase, like they're chasing you, like you're uh, in demand, like uh, they have to get you uh, now so instead of in the future, like all those sorts of things. So it's just imagine uh, dating. Does it make sense to, to, I don't know, if a woman meets a man and she likes him to send an email saying, I just wanted you to know how much I enjoyed meeting you. I guess you could do that. Would a man like that? He would probably think, no, whatever. I don't know. But you need to have a little bit of a chase going on here. So however you can maintain that is the best. But if someone's not getting back to you, I think you're better off interviewing with a place that really wants you and likes you and where you may be the first choice. So that that's something to be uh, quite aware of that, that that's important for there to be some sort of chase. It's you know that that the firm's doing that that you know that you're a hot commodity and they're like they're lucky to get you. It's just like the whole example that I've given uh, earlier is when a lot when you're trying to get hired by a uh, when you're an attorney, your job is to act like you're in front of I don't know, but your job is to represent yourself and your client. So you want your client to be strong. And you want to make your client look like the strongest person so you don't look that way then uh then, then that's a problem i think this is a very good question because i i'm just trying to think i want to give you the most the best answer to this and i want to tell you about some experiences that i've had 
with people that are very good at that. So I've interviewed some very strong people to work with me before that essentially the kind of people that were so good that they would come in and act they wanted to be my partner and could achieve that. And those sorts of people somehow, I don't know how they did it, but they came in and they established a dialogue with me right away where I was, they were, I was comfortable taking calls with them where from them I was. And so I don't know that a young associate can do that with a law firm, but the more you're able to connect and get on a personal basis with someone somehow, or with the recruiting personnel or whatever, then uh, the better off you're going to be. But if you start looking desperate, then that's going to hurt you. But having a, a connection where you look like you have lots of options and you'd like to is important. So I hope that answers things. Um, but I can just tell you that some of the most powerful or strongest people I've ever interviewed were able to establish a dialogue with me, call me on the phone. It was perfectly fine and all that sort of stuff. So I, I just, if you can do it, that's amazing. But most people can't. And I've seen, by the way, I've seen very talented associates be able to do the same thing with a law firm. Like they come in and they're just like, they talk about all the value they can provide. They connect with a partner. They look like they're going to, and, and then somehow they're on this dialogue. Now, most people aren't. But if you get to that stage, then that's the way to follow up, I guess, is one, you know, as a big boy, I guess, is a good way to put it instead of, uh, or big girl, instead of, I don't know, that's, I hope that's a good answer. It gives you a little bit of detail about how it's done. Okay, if you're leaving a firm because it's slow, is it okay to say so in your next interview? Yeah, it is actually. If a law firm is slow and doesn't have enough work, you can talk about how they've lost people in this practice area, that things are slow, that, that you wanted to, you wouldn't be concerned normally, but uh, that this is some of their biggest clients or whatever. And, and so you can say that, but I want to be very clear uh, about uh, a couple of things uh, that are important. The best people during most recessions, not in slowdowns in work. So there's a slowdown right now in real estate. There's a slowdown in corporate. Most people that are uh, very talented and are able, uh, that are, I don't know what the word is, but the best people in most law firms, when it gets slow, the law firm will hold on to them because they know the person is good and they know they can, they've made money from them in the past and they can continue to make money. They don't have to train someone to get them up to speed. The person's nice and gets along well, people. And why would they get rid of them? So that's how law firms think. So if a law firm uh, is letting you go, many times the people they will let go when things slow down are young associates because they haven't been trained. So there's not a lot of worth to them yet. They'll let young associates go or they'll let uh, they'll, they'll let senior associates that don't have whatever that that they don't want to keep around, or they'll let people go that have a bad attitude. So that's one of the reasons I talk about attitude and things, or people that aren't working hard. So they'll keep the most valuable people around. If you are able to stay in firms through slow periods, typically the law firm will reassure you, they'll tell you things, you, you should have relationships with partners and, and you can use, that's, you should have a network. But if it's too, if it's slow, people are getting laid off. There's nothing you can do that it doesn't matter. And you the firm's slow, then you should basically you can talk about that. You'd be better off talking about how you want to go to the firm for other reasons, because it's not going to make it look like that you'll, you'll do the same thing to them. Because every firm gets slow, so you need to figure out the best way to approach that. So my feeling is you can say the work is slow if you want in a next interview. But if you say that, the firm you're interviewing with is going to say, things get slow here too. So what's this person going to do if things get slow? So often you're better off of 
trying to portray things and you're trying to move up, you're trying to, the firm does more of the type of work that you want, all those sorts of things. So if you can do that effectively, you're going to be much better off in, um, in, in the long run. Okay, this is a good, in terms of getting a job. So always try to present yourself uh, as someone that's awesome and you're moving to this firm because they're even more awesome. And you're, you, they do exactly what you want to do uh, based on, and you weren't doing that before. That's a much better answer than saying it's slow and I might lose my job because you're basically, if you say that, you're showing that you could be disloyal when work slows down there. And you're also showing that you're not getting work, you're not valued. And so you need to really be careful about that. And that's how I would say. So yes, you can say it. It's okay to say it, but it's better off to do something else. Okay, I work in the venture capital space. I have 3.5 years of experience. I'm trying to look for a new job. What are the best practice to look for a job, especially during November, December? Please note, I have not worked in a large firm. Okay, so actually November, December, believe it or not, are some of the best months to look uh, for a job. There's an article on BCG called Why November. Let me even see if I can pull it up here real quick. Make sure I'm showing the name. I'll give me a second. So why G search? Why November? Why November? This is fun because this is a good question. It's right up my alley. December are the best month. Look at this. This is fun. Right here. So January, January is when everyone else is looking for a job. If everyone else is doing the same thing, you're going to be more likely to, there's going to be more competition. But in January, lots of people are applying. This is the article right here. I think this will answer your question pretty well. But actually, in my experience, November and December um, are absolutely, uh-oh, um, what happened there, no, are, are absolutely um, some of the best months to look for a job. So if you look for jobs in November and December, the benefit of that time is, and I just don't know what this article is called, but I'll just cut and paste it because I don't have the URL because it came to search engine. But this is the article. So if you look for a job in November, December, the benefit of it is that there's fewer people looking for jobs. So everyone in the firm is just getting fewer applications. There's there's not, and so you're actually your your resume will rise to the top of the pile because hardly anybody's applying, and especially if the firm has openings. So that that's the thing. Now there's another kind of secret that this is worth worth in the price of admission to to any like webinar if there was one. But one of the secrets is it's always better, it's always better to interview on Fridays, especially in the afternoon, Fridays, uh, afternoon. And uh, it's also um, always better to interview in November, December. And why is that uh, better November, December? Um, for, so the first reason is uh, in November and December, uh, there's just fewer applicants. So you have a much better chance of, of doing, of work, getting a job. Also, um, the law firm doesn't have to hire in January. So uh, the people love that. If the law firm has openings, they know people are going to leave in January because everyone is getting a bonus and all this sort of thing. So if you start looking for a position in November and December, you're going to be one of the only people and the law firm's not going to have to worry about hiring someone then. They're already going to have someone in place. There's people that they think are going to leave. So that's great. Now, why is it another reason? So on Fridays, if you interview, everyone is less critical than they normally are in during Monday or Tuesday when they're, they're, they've sharpened their sword by getting some rest over the weekend. They're ready to go. 
So people that interview on Mondays tend to get fewer jobs and people that interview on Thursdays, people on Tuesdays, same thing. But uh, Fridays, for some reason, um, you have a much better chance of getting a job because people are in a better mood. They're less critical. Maybe they went out on Thursday night. Who knows? But they're they're not going to sit there and drill you with the same level of, uh, it's just different. They're excited about the weekend. They're in a better mood. The same thing happens with November and December. Like people are, they've done things with their family. They're excited. They're all, all this sort of stuff. And so you also tend to do better in uh, November and December for that reason. I believe that, and again, I've written a freaking article about it. I believe that th- this is really the most important thing you can, it's one of the most important times of the year to search for jobs. Why wouldn't you want to search for a position when no one else is? Come on. It's huge. This is when you can move to bigger firms. It's when you you can move. So you can go to, you can apply to bigger firms and then you're working at, you can, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Now, this particular person saying you worked in the ECVC space. One of the things I would say about what's nice about corporate law is it's actually much easier, especially if you're doing this sort of stuff to move to a big firm from a smaller firm that isn't a lot of other practice areas because it's a very specialized practice area. There's not a lot of people to do it. The, the firms when they need people in that practice area will often have a difficult time recruiting. So they will be willing to look at people from smaller firms, all that sort of thing. There is a little bit of difference sometimes about sometimes the size of the deals, but it can be very helpful to often come from other types of things. Someone said, will this recording be available? Uh, yes, but what happens to the Q&A is it may be chopped up and you may not be able to find that. So this, anybody that's watching this, it's, you may not be hard to see this again. Now the main webinar you'll be able to do okay, let's see here. Okay. So this is a good question. And by the way, I love these questions that people are asking. They're very helpful. So I've made the mistake of asking about the companies or law firms benefits early in the interview, which may have given the impression that I'm primarily interested in compensation. How can I approach compensation and benefits discussions more strategically? You ask about this after you get an offer. That's it. You ask about it after you get an offer. So you don't ask about it early on, only after you get an offer. It's absolutely not something you should ever talk about early in the interview. So sometimes people will say, what is your health care like? My child has a a horrible uh, health can you people do this sort of stuff and and again you need to be very careful you don't ask about this stuff before you've gotten an offer that's too assumptive it's and again i'm not criticizing someone for saying that their child has a problem and asking about an interview but it's just you ask about it after you get an offer that's it so you don't ask about it beforehand but you ask about it after you cannot ask about you don't ask about compensation you don't ask about benefits. You don't ask about parking. You don't ask about vacations. You don't ask about any of this stuff in an interview. It's like the last thing in the world that you should be asking about. So you wait till you get an offer. That's it. That's the only rule you need to follow. You don't ask about money, benefits, policies, anything until you get an offer. After you get an offer, the person decided they want you. They're going to be nice. And and that's important to understand. So Okay, here's another good question. I love it when people ask long questions, by the way, because uh, I think it's important to think about all these things. And I will get to your question if I haven't answered it yet. There's a lot of questions, but I'll get to it. Do you want to grow your legal career? 
A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. Okay, I'm struggling how to frame reasons for moving without sounding negative. It seems like on the one hand, I don't want to be overly negative. However, on the other, it seems like we still have to present reasons that give an inference of negativity uh, about the former employer. Not enough opportunity, not a cultural fit, want something more. All of these imply that the law firm had some inadequacy. Is there just a way to just frame things honestly? If it was not a good fit, maybe couching the things that you liked about the firm. I'm conducting a job search after losing a position in a very unstable branch office. Your example of working for a tyrant. I want to explain this in a way that will not hamper my search efforts. How uh, can we strike the right balance between good reasons for basically saying why you left and are looking for new reasons or is it better to submit mistakes? How can we make mistakes as a young attorney that may have led to a lost position without looking bad? That's a good question. One of the things I think that is that that's interesting about that question is this person is basically need, feels like they need to say they lost a position, and that may be true. You you may have lost a position. What's interesting, I was talking to someone that I think booked a paid call with me or something, but I was talking to them just without the free call. And I talked to them for free because they hadn't, anyway, it doesn't matter. But, and it was a, a person that was a head of a law firm. And, and he was saying, I never like to let people go because, because I know it's going to hurt them and make it difficult for them to get jobs. Law firms that let people go when they don't have jobs, it's, it can be very bad. So here, this person was in an unstable branch of branch office. So that's actually how I might frame it. So I would just say it was a branch office. They were having a lot of problems. They were in this year's things you can say. Most of their work was coming uh, from the main office and uh, they just were losing people. They didn't have a lot of work. And so you can sometimes talk about things that way. You can say it was a great firm. I went to it for this reason. I got this experience. Um, I really don't have anything bad to say about it, uh, but I did learn that branch offices are unstable and you could talk about a few examples. This person left, this, they weren't getting work. They had to retire on the other office for work. And it was just a, it was a difficult place to, to remain. So you don't have to basically say anything bad about the firm or even say you got fired. You can just basically talk about sometimes that branch. I just, I learned that branch offices can be difficult there at, at something along those lines. You have to figure out how to couch it in a way that doesn't make you look bad. But I would basically say that it was a problematic office. I didn't learn how work. I didn't learn how they got work. Most part, you know, something along those lines that makes it seem like you learned a lesson about working in branch offices and that they're not all the best. Something along those lines. Uh, but you don't necessarily have to say you were fired. You can just say there were some issues there, but I really liked the firm and there were good people and I had a good experience and. It's a great firm and I have nothing negative to say about them. I just, I don't think that might be one way to answer it too. If they ask you, you say, I don't, I, I have nothing negative to say about the firm. And there's a lot of things I liked about it. The only thing I will say is that I learned that branch offices 
can often be very difficult places to, to work when for a variety of reasons that I don't know that's important to get into, but that I definitely wouldn't want to work in a firm like this compared to something along those lines. So you need to just be careful in terms of how you couch things and uh, and that and that can help you. So just again, think about how you would answer a judge on behalf of your client. Why is your client, why did your client run? What happened? And they would have to answer that in a way that would uh, to make things look more positive. So just think about that, how you would do that. Okay, in the past, I have asked questions about work-life balance or remote work options during interviews. Could these inquiries be interpreted as a lack of commitment to the job? How can I frame such questions possibly? Absolutely not. So under no circumstances, so no circumstances whatsoever, no circumstances whatsoever should you ask about work-life balance or remote work options during an interview? Absolutely not. So you just don't ask it. It's the dumbest thing you can do during an interview. Absolutely not. You do not want to ask it. It will make it so you do not get a job. So that is one of the, and I'm sorry to be so direct here, but people that do that typically will not get jobs. I had one major law firm in Dallas, Texas, that someone was had a Dallas, Texas address on their resume, had a apartment or whatever in Dallas, Texas, but was working for another law firm in Dallas, Texas, remotely from, I don't know, San Francisco or some, I don't know where it was, but some other state. The law firm found out that they were working remotely and even, and made them an offer and then found out that the person had been living in San Francisco and working remotely for this other big Dallas firm and pulled the offer. It was like, no, you're done. That was it. So think about that. So if you go and tell, if that they pulled an offer because of that, um, asking about work-life balance or remote work options, unless the firm is paying like significant, is a big firm and I'm paying significantly less money than, than a large firm or something, no way. Who would you hire? Uh, someone that wants to work remotely and is concerned about work-life balance or someone that wants to work hard and get ahead. Jeez, just think about it. Now, you can ask all this stuff after you get an offer. That's the time to bring it up if you if it's important to you and you think that you want to ask it. But, but no, you don't ask that. And again, I realize that this sort of thinking is completely foreign to a lot of people that have grown up with this sort of expectation. And this is a newer type of thought process. But Asking this stuff will just get you no no employer unless they have no other options to hire. Like maybe you went to Stanford Law School and you're interviewing with a bunch of people that went to top 100, 200 law schools. I, I don't know. But no, you just don't ask this stuff. If you ask it, um, think about it. Most jobs, a lot of these big firm jobs get hundreds of applicants. So why would, if they have hundreds of applicants, why would they hire someone uh, that wants to know about work-life balance or uh, remote work options. Uh, is that prejudice? I don't know. What would you, if you wanted to hire someone to to work and, I don't know, to take care of your kids or something while you're at work, if someone, one person came in and said, hey, is it okay if instead of being at your house, I take your kids to, I don't know, to my father-in-law's house two days a week because I want to, they, I don't know, they 
I don't know, they do gardening or something. I want to garden with them. I don't know, like something like that. Or they say, is it okay if, I don't know, that that I take, I don't, it's just anything that would be not what you'd expect or want from the job. You're not going to hire the person. You wouldn't. So if you ask about the stuff and you think it's okay, it's not. And I just, I, I want to be very direct with everyone that you just don't ask these questions in an interview. You ask about them after you get a job. Now, if that's important to you and you have a lot of places you can work, then do it. That's absolutely fine. I, I just I want to tell a quick story. I had a guy working for me once that went to the University of Texas Law School and was in the top three graduates of his class. And the only reason you know that knew that was because there was some of them award that was given to top three students because they didn't want to make a valedictorian or whatever it's called. So that's what they gave him. So he never worked in a law firm during his summer. He never interviewed with a law firm during his third year. And then he came to work for me and was basically his demands were after he'd been hired and was working and came in that he be allowed to leave the job early at two and work on his laptop that he, I don't know, but he needed work-life balance. He wasn't going to work on the, all these demands and, and it didn't work out. And he also knew that if he did that kind of, if he worked that sort of way, that he would have to do that in a law firm. So that's why he didn't go to work in a large law firm or any law firm. So you just, you can ask about that stuff. Certain law firms do like that, but you just have to understand who would you hire? If you had someone working for you, would you hire someone that was really concerned about that and it impacted your ability to get the work done? Or would you hire someone that wasn't like that? That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.